0: Scripture reading this morning will be taken from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 16 through 17. Again, that's Hebrews 13, verses 16 through 17. that can be found on page 1071 on the Pew Bibles. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For they watch over out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Good morning. So thankful that you have chosen to be here today, that we have come together uh, to worship, and are very, very thankful uh, that of all the places you could be today, that you have chosen to be here with us. Uh, We have something very special uh, coming coming up at the end of this month. Uh, We know that the 109 congregation has been meeting on Sunday nights throughout this year. And beginning the first Sunday morning in April, they will meet all the time. Well, the last, the fifth Sunday night of this month, we want to have a combined worship service, which will be a time of devotional, a time of prayer, a time of uh, singing. And we want to pack this auditorium. We want this place full, and we want an opportunity to to pray for one another and to sing praises of one another, and I know it'll be a special night, so I hope that you'll make plans to be a part of that night. If you will, let's go to God in prayer as we begin. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. You are amazing. You have blessed us beyond all belief. God, we're here today to tell you of your greatness. We're here today to look at your word. This morning we've been able to partake of the Lord's Supper and remember the great promise of your son's return. Lord, help us always when we see your word to live it out and for us to have that life that you would have here, that abundant life that would last over into eternity. Lord, we're so thankful for the work that went on in El Salvador this week. For those who came to Christ, for those who were brought back, And, Lord, we pray that work will continue to go on there. We pray that work will continue to go on here as we want to reach out and make the biggest difference we can in eternity while here on earth. In Christ's name we pray, amen. One of the common themes through Scripture is sheep and shepherds. It's something we think about a lot. It's something that that we talk about a lot. And any time a congregation uh, puts in elders, for the most part, there's going to be a lot of praying around that. Why? Because it's a big decision who who you choose to go in to be shepherds. And, and there's a lot of praying. Many times you're going to study what God's word says about that. You're going to spend some time in First Timothy, spend some time in, in Titus, and and you're going to look there what God has said about shepherds and what they should be. Many times there's going to be sermons on that and and also there will be a process of selecting where the congregation is asked to, to submit names and, and then there will be an opportunity for the congregation to, to evaluate whose names have been put in. Then there will be a time of appointing. And, and elders are something that, that I, I, in God's wisdom, he believed that a congregation should be served and led by a uh, plurality of men serving as elders. Not one person. Not a pastor, not a pope, not one person in a congregation, but a great number of people in the congregation, more than one. It's interesting. I, I asked uh, some people who were elders, and I, I said, What is the biggest challenge in being an elder? I said, What do you believe the biggest challenge is in being an elder? And here are some of the responses I got. One person said, Some of the, since the most important of being an elder is shepherding the congregation. I would guess the most difficult part is finding time to shepherd the congregation effectively while working a full-time secular job and raising a family. It's easy to meet once or twice a, a, m- once a week or twice a month to make decisions, but it's altogether a different issue. To do what? To know the flock intimately and to shepherd them effectively with the time constraints that most elders have. That's a legitimate answer right there. Another said this. Uh, another said that that uh, confronting people in their sins. Another said giving up the micromanagement of the congregation to do what? To spend time ministering the word and in prayer. Another said that balance in life, that, that in worship and leadership and discipline and ministering and knowing your congregation and and being who you need to be at home and at work. The balance is there. Another person said the silent tears that only God hears when a brother or sister has fallen away and is refusing to repent and come back. Says the elders will cry tears that the congregation never sees. Another said the hardest part may be accepting the challenge without really knowing all that goes into it. It said in the New Testament, the job descriptions of the work are pretty diverse. Elder is somebody who's a leader by, by reason and influence and example. An overseer, one who is a foreman on the job that, that sees how that things get done. Another is a shepherd who knows, feeds, protects, loves the flock. They watch out for your souls. Another said keeping ourselves from trying to do the job of deacons and not elders. Another said, I would say the most difficult part of being an elder is is watching our members go back into the world when we do our best to encourage them, to teach them, and to admonish them. There are so many uh, that will never obey the gospel, and, and we, when you lose those it is very hard, it's said, I understand why we are to leave the 99 and go after the one that is lost. So when you think about that, if I were to ask you today, what do you believe is the most dif- difficult part about being an elder? I think about those that are, that are watching online today. It may be that, that you're thinking about that too, about how difficult it is. And, and the next question is, if it's so difficult, then why would you do it? If it is challenging and, and, and it is challenging, then why would you do it? One said this. He said, I, I think it's one of the greatest ways I can serve God. After all he is, uh, after all that, it is very little considering what he has done for me. Another asked, why are you asking such hard questions? You're making me think uh, too hard. so seriously, one major reason I serve is from a sense of duty. While the responsibility is great and I do it fearfully, I would be more afraid to explain in judgment what excuse I would offer had I chose not to serve. Wow. Let that sink in just for a second. Another said this. It's a position of service to God and also to the flock, to the local church. If the congregation had enough trust in me to select me for this position, then I have a responsibility to them as well as to God to make sure that they are cared for. Another said, Jesus died for me, therefore I feel I cannot run and hide if I can help him even a tiny bit. And another said this, I think that if a man meets the scriptural qualification, God expects him to serve where and as he is needed by the local congregation. I began serving in October 2007. We have had things that have gone, we have gone through that I wouldn't wish on anyone, but we have also seen God's hand at work in his church and have been so blessed by seeing the church work and grow. When things are carried out his way, he said, I love serving as the elder in the Lord's church. I love his people. I pray I can shepherd and care for them as he does us. Uh, surely heaven will be worth it all. I think most of us would agree that being a shepherd would be very difficult. And here's what I find uh, that I noticed, that pretty much any preaching that has to do with shepherds is telling us about what shepherds need to do to be qualified or what type of men our shepherds need to be, or what kind of families they need to have. This morning, I want us to talk about what, what does it mean to have happy shepherds, and should we care about that, to have joyful shepherds. See, the shepherds look as confused as you do this morning. You know, uh, it, It's one of those things you, you look and it's like, well, what are we going to talk about? Well, I want us to look at this for a second. Open your Bibles, Hebrews 13, chapter seven. Hebrews 13, verse 17. Let's look at that together. The Hebrew writer says this. He said, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let that sit in. Think about that responsibility. That, that, that our men who, who serve as elders here in, and will do what? They will give an account for us. For how they have shepherded us. For, and they will do this. And he says, because they're going to have to do this, we, as good sheep, should do what? Should submit to them or obey them. You know, I think those are two words that none of us like. Obey and submit. Would y'all agree with that? Yeah. Who, who enjoys those words? And and some people say, I have very little problems obeying our elders. Can I tell you, I'm going to laugh at that because one of the things that I have noticed is that we in the church do not like to move seats. Every congregation I've been a part of since I was a little little boy, I have seen men get up and encourage people to sit closer together, people to scoot toward the front, people to, to move a certain place. You know what people do? They stare at them. It's like they're not talking to me while well, I'm like, and, and that's why uh, I haven't ever asked you to move and at Spring Hill I wouldn't ask people to move anyway because I always said, ask an elder, I said, you need to tell them to move because they're supposed to obey and submit to you. They're not going to do it, but they're supposed to do that. That may be a little thing, but think about it. Think about that just for a moment. See, because the second part of that verse, after, after we're told to obey and submit to, to them, they're keeping watch over our souls, and, and, and they will give an account. It says this, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Let that set in for a second. It said, your elder's job should be one that you give joy to, not growing not groaning not regret not frustration that that we as God's people when it comes to our elders we have a responsibility as far as it depends on us to do what make our elders job a joy so i don't know if you've ever thought about that much but we have a responsibility for that that is put on us and it's funny I, it's tough to be responsible for somebody else's happiness uh They'll tell you, you can't be it if you go to someone, but it's told to us, as far as it depends on us, do what? Make our elder's job a joy. Well, how do we do that? How do we make a job that, that is challenging, that is difficult? Now, granted, as the one elder wrote earlier, they see some things that are very difficult, but they also get to see God work in mighty ways, and that's incredible. They see so many things of God working and and that there is a blessing to them. But how in the world do we make their job more joyful? Open your Bible, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. See, Paul addresses this here also. I want us to look at at what he tells the church there in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, beginning in verse 12. Paul says, we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. What's the first thing he says? Do show respect. If you want to make our elders job a joy or shepherds job a joy, be respectful to them. Show them respect. See, when it comes to biblical leadership, we have gone through a process to uh, put men in place that are worthy of respect. If they're not worthy of respect, we never ever should do what? Should appoint someone. That's part of what we, we look at. We we go through this and we want to have a biblical eldership and that's why we look at God's Word about what it says about what the man should be and, and what his family should be in, in, in First Timothy and, and in Titus and also we look at the fruit of the Spirit. Do they have this in their life? And what we want to do is make sure... That that first of all, that they are uh, respectable, but then as they are, as they are put in, we want to show them respect. What we learn here in this passage is this. Uh, it says, these men do what? They know you, they appreciate you, recognize. That's what respect means. That's what we want to do. They're known, they're appreciated, they're recognized. See, there's, he said, these people are going to do what? They labor hard among you. Their job is work, and and the thing is they have charge over you. They have responsibility, and it says they have given you instruction. So what you should do is to do what? Respect them. Respect them. See, I I think it's something for us to do that, to realize that that the, the men who serve God in that role are worthy of respect. I know a lot of people watched basketball yesterday. I haven't seen this much orange in this room since uh, Halloween. Um, Okay. You know, because we don't get to wear it in the fall. Um, I want us to think about something for a minute. Do you know when a referee blows a whistle, there's three options? One option is half the people in the room think he's the smartest man there. Our smartest woman and the other people in the room think he's the dumbest. Um, Or he can blow the whistle and everybody thinks he's the dumbest person in the room. Very rarely are they right in everybody's eyes. You realize we ask our elders to tell us what God's word has said. We ask them to come and confront us in our sins. And that is not a popular job. And it's very easy to sit back and think they are doing this wrong. When they're doing it for what? Because they love us and they deserve our respect. When we think about this, how do we make our our shepherd's job a joy? One, we're good sheep. We do what? We follow. When elders have set out a vision, when they are leading, when they are trying to lead us to, to make a difference, what should we do? We should be Followers. That's what sheep do. You want to make their job a joy? Follow their lead. Secondly, do what? Get plugged in. Find a place to serve. In a congregation this size, can I promise you there is somewhere to serve? As 109 is beginning, there are places to serve. I promise you. There are places to get involved. And if you want to make their job a joy, be someone who says, whatever you need me to do, I'll do. Or say, hey, God has blessed me with these talents. How can you use them here. You want to make their job a joy. Get plugged in. You want not make their job a joy. Speak to them. It's interesting. I, I, when I think about our, our, our shepherds, uh, one of the things they have been asked to do is to pray with sick people. It's in the Bible. That, that's what we're told in James chapter five, is it not? Some people have inserted preacher here, but that's not what the word says. It says, do what? If any among you suffering, let him pray. If anybody is cheerful, let him sing praise. If any among you are sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. I find it interesting that that there are times uh, people in the congregation expect our elders to be mind readers. They expect our shepherds to know what's going on. Do you know so many times it helps when you tell them? It says this, if you are sick, you call. You let them know. Why? So they can come minister to you. You let them know. That makes their job joyful. Let's go back in and, First and, and Thessalonians 5 again. Again, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord, admonish you, and esteem them very highly because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. What should we do? We should show them love. Our elders should know their love. They are doing a difficult job, and, and we should let them know we love them for doing this. See, what's going on here to esteem this love, realize that we follow them not out of fear, but out of love. We follow them for that reason. The question is, do you care for those who care for you, and you make sure they know they are love see what's what's interesting is many times some of you are like yeah i talk to the elders often but yeah it's with complaints and criticism anybody cold this morning they got here if you got here earlier your teeth were chattering you know and it's then you go well i need to find an elder Hey, it was their plan to get y'all to sit closer together. That's all it was. How we get people to sit close together? Let's make it 60 degrees in there. People will snuggle up with people they don't know. It'll be incredible. That's what we'll do. But instead of complaints and criticism, what about taking time to praise them? What about taking time to praise them for the good they do and thanking them for the work that they do? What about taking time and, and praying for our shepherds? As a preacher, I, I love that, that most prayers uh, offered in a, in, in, during worship, I get called out by name. It's an awesome thought to hear my name over and over again, that you are praying for me, that you're praying for my wife, that you're praying for my child. I, I love it to know that that happens. And, and, and what if we decided to pray for our elders by name. If you want to pray for them, pray for their wisdom. Pray pray for their vision, for for them to continue to have a vision that they put out in front, that, that, that we seek out, that we want to do God's will. Also do what? Pray for their holiness. You want to see a congregation destroyed? Have an elder that's a, living an unrighteous life. Some of you have seen that at congregations. You see how destructive it can be. Pray for their holiness. Also, pray for their knowledge. Pray that they will continue to grow in the knowledge of God, that they will they will spend time in God's Word. Pray for their stamina, that they will not grow weary and and, and want to stop, that they will do what? They will continue to serve and be strong in this. Pray for their unity, to know that, that at this congregation, we may have 8, 10, 12, 14 men, sitting around a table. That they will have one purpose of the Lord's church in mind and that they will will do this and and, and will be unified in in what they do. That they will be men who lead with courage, who are willing to do what other people are not willing to do to lead the church. Pray for their health. Pray for their humility. Because at times, uh, you will hear people use the term boss elder. I don't know if you have ever heard that. You may not have ever heard anybody (laughs) say it in front of people. But there are some congregations where you know if one elder is not going to approve anything, you can't get anything done, even though there's a plurality of people. Play, pray for humility. Also, please pray for their families. See, what happens is uh, their families share them with the church. Their children, their wives, their grandchildren, they, they share them with this work and, and pray for them. Sometimes there is uh, unfair criticism that goes in the elder's family. Pray for them as they go through this. Find ways to encourage them. We should, as a church, I want this church to be known as the most encouraging place anybody could ever be. Do what? Write them cards from time to time and and, and let them know thanking them for, for what they do and encouraging them in their work. Do what? Find ways to, to make them feel special and let them know always they're loved and appreciated. Thank you goes a long way. Cards go a long way. Uh, I have a friend of mine who is a uh, who preaches some and, and uh, he had become a member at, at Spring Hill. And uh, he gave me a book and he wrote on the inside cover this very encouraging note. He said, there's going to be some days in ministry where you're not going to think anybody thinks you're doing what's right. And you feel like everybody's against you. I want you to know that I'm always on your side. And he wrote this note letting me know that. Let your elders know that you're with them and that you trust them and that you're praying for them. See, the final way it says here is is do what? And be at peace. And be at peace. See, if you want to make the elder's job a joy, do what? Be at peace with one another. Uh, Because church fighting is, is not fun. My mom had been out of church for a while and she had decided to go back to church for the first time. It was a congregation not far from, from our house where we lived in Memphis, and and she decided to go worship there on the Sunday morning. As she got in and sat down, there were people who greeted her well and very kindly, and she, she was like, this should be a really good day. She said, but then as everything got started, this one man came in, a group of other men wrestled him to the ground, and the police came in and took the guy out. And my mom had to ask, so what's going on? And we said, well, that's our former preacher. We fired him, told him not to come back. Well, he came back. <laughs> Y'all invite David back to speak, but this guy got arrested. I mean, you know, it's pretty crazy. That, that's what happened. Can you imagine the stress on the elders and the people when God's people aren't getting along? Live at peace among yourselves. See, so many congregations, there's, there are disagreements, there's pettiness, There's there are divisions, there, there's discord. At times, there's congregations who um, really struggle over what songs you should sing. I've got a, a good friend who was a, a song leader in a congregation, and every song, he had a man out there that would look at him and do this. Or yes, <laughs> whether he approved of the songs or not. And the man would write down what songs the song leader should have sang that day, what song you shouldn't, and go straight to the elders every time. I'm sure the elders love to see that man coming. Don't you think so? Be at peace with one another. See, realize Paul is writing this to, to a congregation that's really struggling. Why? Because they have a great misunderstanding about the second coming. That's what's going on in 1 and Second Thessalonians. They have been told that the Lord is coming back, and some of them go, well, he's coming back pretty quick. You know what I ought to do? I ought to quit my job and wait for him. I'm just going to quit my job and wait for him to come back. And and the others said, no, that means we, we should continue working till he comes back. Well, the ones who quit their job were waiting on God. All of a sudden, uh, they run out of money and food, and they look at the other people who are still working and said, y'all are good Christians. You know what y'all should do? Y'all should take care of me because I'm being faithful, waiting for the Lord to come back. Can I tell you, that would start a fight. Paul is writing these people who who are struggling inside of the church and he's telling them to do what? Be at peace. Do you realize this is a theme throughout Scripture? Jesus said in Mark 9, verse 50, he said, salt is good, but if the salt is lost, it's saltiness. How will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with what? With one another. Romans 12, 18 says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all 2 Corinthians 13 11 says, Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Be at peace. Being a peacemaker's heart. And there's different ways you do that. When I was uh, in high school, there were these two guys in the hall. I was walking down the hall of my high school. Right in front of our, uh, AP, our AP physics teacher. And these two guys they were, were not really big guys, and they had started pushing each other and yelling, each other, yelling at each other. And, and, and they were going back and forth, and people were sort of watching. There was a big old country boy. I couldn't find a picture of him, so I got this one. His name was Clay. And uh, Clay came up, and he sat there and watched him for just a second. And he grabbed them both by the back of the shirts and threw them together. Their heads hit together. They hit the ground. He said, get along, go to class. That was another student. Well, the two guys sat down on the ground and rubbed their heads, not knowing what happened, but they lost the desire to fight. It just went right out of them. And the teacher said, I guess that took care of that. Well, it did. See, he was trying to be a peacemaker, and you think, what What if the elder's whole job was trying to get people to get along? How difficult that would be. The Bible talks about this. Paul writes about a Iodia and Syntyche. Can you imagine you get to make Scripture, but you make it for what? Not getting along? In the book of Joy, Philippians, he has to tell people to get along. If you Google image Iodia and Syntyche, this is what comes up, Okay? And this is the second picture that comes up. I like it too, okay? Uh, what you have is there's two ladies who aren't getting along at church and and look what he says here. He said, I entreat Yoda and Sentake to agree in the Lord. That is to get along. Yes, I ask you also, my true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. He didn't say they weren't good workers. They're great workers but help them to get along. I've got twin nephews. This isn't them, but this will be a great picture. And being little boys, can I tell you, sometimes they like to get into it a little bit. I'm going to tell you, sometimes they got along really good too. This is much better. It's much better. See, it's much better to look at the children and not just see them get along, but seeing them laugh. Can you imagine what it would be to be a shepherd and look out and see your people smiling and enjoying their time together and, and sharing that together? See, my nephew shared something with me. They they like to tell jokes. They said, what do you call an alligator in a vest? Do you know this? An investigator. They, they shared that with me, okay? You'll get that on the way home. It is there. It's pretty solid. It's really good when they told me that when they were seven. That's a pretty solid joke then. See, when God's people live at peace, then the elders get to focus on what? On vision, on growth, on evangelism. How awesome. When they're not having to to go around and deal in pettiness, they get to focus on that. What can be done when we do that? See, biblical leadership, we must have it, but also we need to have a biblical fellowship. And what happens when we, as God's people, choose to follow? I love this quote. He he who works with his hands is a laborer. who works with his uh, hands and his head is a craftsman. He who works with his hands, his head, his heart is an artist. I would also call them a shepherd. And what we should do is give them joy. I'm thankful for our godly elders. I'm thankful to serve here. I'm thankful for the, the men who will be serving at 109. Uh, both congregations are greatly blessed. And today I just want to ask you, how good a sheep are you? Today, it may be that you want to become a sheep. You want to be baptized for mission of your sins. We would love to help that today. Today, it may be that you want to ask this congregation to pray with you. You may want to be like that sheep that said, Hey, hey I, I need some help here. I want you to pray with me, and we would love to do that. This morning, if we can help you in your walk with God, would you come now while we stand and while we sing?